Hey, my friends, this is episode 10 of Talking By Myself. I am your host, Layla Rosa. This is the season one finale. What? That's crazy. So on this episode, I'm going to go ahead and dive right into a topic that I have really, really been like skirting around because I've been super nervous to talk about it. I'm going to talk about my journey with spirituality. And I'm also going to talk about more of the book that I talked about last week, which is Attached. And the subtitle of that book is The New Science of Adult Attachment and How It Can Help You Find and Keep Love. I mean, it's just, honestly, it's just good, just like, even if you're not interested in romantic love, like just how you relate to other people in the world. And just, it's a great book, man. It is. Um, But anyways, I'm going to jump right into today's topic. I hope you all have been well, and I hope it is interesting. All right, go ahead and take a listen. So my journey with spirituality, it really has been my entire life that I've been on this journey. Um, So for me, it started when I was super young. I remember going to Catholic church when I was a kid in Fallbrook, California, where I grew up in Southern California and being enamored by, I used to go to this church called St. Peter's. Um, And I haven't gone back since, but I need to go back there now as I'm saying that. And I remember this church just walking in, seeing all the pews and then seeing the beautiful like altar in the front and then like all the stained glass and the artwork all around and like the atmosphere, the physical atmosphere was so like different than the outside world. Like I just felt this strong energy and presence. And even as a kid, you know, maybe I would have not called it that way um, as a kid, but, um, you know, it felt like God to me. And it was God to me. And um, I got so excited about Bible stories when I was a kid, too. And, you know, learning about Jesus and what he said and what he did. So those are my early precious memories of my spirituality and my faith. And um, I went to I did go to Sunday school. I was raised Catholic. Um, And then we moved to Nevada when I was 12, going on 13. That was very hard for me. Um, I started middle school here, and I didn't have any friends. So that was really hard, and I was going through puberty. So yay, fun times. And at that time, we were still attending a Catholic church here. And I started singing in the choir at church, and I was, like, really, like, I was doing sometimes, like, almost semi-solos so I was like the only vocalist on occasion and I really like singing and that was like a really big deal and I was pretty young um I think I attended that church till I was like 15 or 14 something like that um but then we ended up going away from the uh the Catholic church entirely and actually went to a non-denominational Christian church um and that was definitely a huge difference um because it's just way different. Like, if you know, you know, but if you don't, for those of you who might not be uh, religious at all, it's kind of like, I don't know how to explain this. It's like very, so Catholicism can be very, very ritualistic, and so can non-denominational churches or whatever branch of Christianity. To be honest, like, saying non-denominational sounds insane because everything's a denomination. Like, every single religion is a denomination. 
And um, so it's just it's crazy to kind of say that. But that's actually that's a literal um, I don't want to call it a sect, but it is of like the Christian branch, like it's a branch of Christianity. So um, it's very interesting. Anyways, um, and then I found myself like, you know, after we going after my family, like split away from the Catholic Church, um, I found myself, you know, in this new church. And I was like, I just all of a sudden was sitting in church one day. I think I had this idea that I just wanted to read the Bible from front to back. And so I did. And it took me two years to do it. And I wanted to read every single word in the Bible. I didn't skip a single chapter, a single word. Like I literally read every single word, even like numbers and chronicles and, and numbers or whatever else. I think I already said that. But, you know, I read all those some of these really, really boring books in the Bible. So <laughs> um, tedious too, just super tedious. And I learned so much and my wisdom really expanded for sure. And I was really young when that happened, when I finished it. And I finished it actually just like right in college. I was in college when I finally finished the book. Um, so I guess I started like later in my high school career reading it. And then it just took me a long, long time. Um, and then if you know, if you remember from last week, I mentioned that I was very depressed in um, in my first year, a couple of years at UNLV. It was really hard. Um, and I ended up just really wanting, you know, friends and community and just like a safe place. And so I ended up just gravitating towards, um, a Christian fellowship that I came to find. And I found it one day in the dining hall and they were having a table and I found out when they met and I started going and I met a bunch of friends and then I eventually met one of my boyfriends there and we dated for a while and he was a really strong Christian and it was like really unique being that young and then also being with somebody that was so strong in their faith. Um, and it was good for me, I think, looking back. <laughs> but it was also like so crazy because like we were, you know, young adults and, you know, we were attending this um, this like fellowship that we went to every Thursday and then you go to church on Sundays. Like I went to church all the time. Like I really did. I just did it on my own accord. Nobody made me go. I just really liked going. Um, I enjoyed, I enjoyed it a lot. And, um, something I really enjoyed was like singing. I love to worship. I love to like sing and just like all the songs are fun. It was just like going to a concert some way, but then you feel like the spiritual connection. I always just love that about music. Um, so where am I going with this? I'm tracing you my, my journey of two. I'm actually, what I'm doing, everybody, is I'm bringing you up to speed to where I'm at today. Um, so yeah, I, I've, I kind of capped out of my, um, I finished, I graduated my, uh, with my undergrad and I was like really, you know, gaining a lot of knowledge about in Christianity and theology and reading like C.S. Lewis and like going to church all the time and having conversations about God and going on, I actually went on a ton of retreats when I was in, in my undergrad, like to California and like would study books of the Bible and like get really intense about praying for a long time. Like I did, <laughs> um, and just finding, like, just getting so enamored by the whole spiritual practice and just feeling so connected to it. Um, so then, um, I went to grad school and I pretty much, I pretty much 
kept that sort of energy going. Like I was really, I kept my patterns going, meaning like I was still going to church and everything. And I was like, just really enamored by learning more and more and like visiting different churches and going to like, just seeing how other people worship God. Um, But it was always within the understanding of Christianity. Like I never went to any other spiritual churches. I was just more like, I'm going to go to Christianity all the time. But then just naturally I fell into getting interested into um, Judaism, um, Judaism. Um, And I, because if you know, you know, but the first four books of the Bible known as the Torah it's probably not actually how you pronounce it. There's a different pronunciation, but anyways, um, are are what they study in Judaism, and I'm pretty sure that's the only thing, but I could be wrong. <laughs> um, but anyways, I just started really being interested in some of their customs because they were mentioned in, you know, the, obviously the Bible, and uh, the books were in there. So um, then I came back to the United States and then I moved to New York and I also was a part of a church there and I got super into the worship team there. I was singing on the reg all the time and, um, I really enjoyed that part of the church and the church I was going to was like super upbeat and really just like, I met a lot of my good friends there in New York, um, and so that was a huge part of my life. Like when I didn't go to church, it was really weird. I was like, what is happening? I don't feel okay. And like, I actually stopped working on Sundays so I could do go to church and make that a priority. And that was really a big deal for me. Um, and now, okay. So now I, so I moved back, um, to Reno area. Well, to the West coast, I should say, cause I've been in and out of Reno. And then I, I guess as I aged, um, I don't think that's really the catalyst. I think the catalyst was actually what happened a year and a half ago. And I'm taking a sip of water because I'm thirsty as I'm talking about this. Um, So I, okay, so a year and a half ago, um, when I was working up at just like Incline Village as a server, it was just like, I don't know why I'm telling you that part. But anyways, um, (laughs) I had, I was actually in the middle of auditions. I was doing a ton of auditions and I ended up, realizing that I booked two plays back to back last summer and one of the plays I just got done doing this earlier this year before COVID well it wasn't before it closed because of COVID but anyways so that was like I was like on a freaking high I was like working all the time and I was auditioning I was like driving to California to do auditions and then I, I actually met somebody I actually met a guy here in in Reno and he was also a Christian and um I just really connected with this person. I had a lot of feelings towards him and um, it ended up not being mutual to be in short. And it was really crushing. Um, it was very turbulent and I won't say any more about him because I already said it in the earlier podcast. There's plenty of me talking about that incident. So um, gonna, I'm going to surpass that for right now. So I, I remember... I don't necessarily think it's because I was dating him that I just started to like really evaluate my hell beliefs about what, who like God is, but like what, if I'm believe like if God is really like, okay, that's why I can say this is if I believe like, it's like basically kind of making it's yeah, it is. It's making God me in a way, if that makes sense. It's like, but it's like, oh, well, this person is saying this, this pastor, for example, is saying 
that the way to be a good Christian is to do these three things. So if I don't do those three things, then I'm not a good Christian. So then God's not going to love me. That's kind of like a very extreme example. Um, but that's what ended up really being repetitive, repetitive, repetitive for the last couple of years of my life. And it really came to a climax um, while I was investigating all the stuff about a year and a half ago, which was last summer. And... Oh my God, that's not correct math. About a year ago, uh, almost a half a year. But anyways, um, last summer, and um, it was really, 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 really discombobulating because what I'm getting at here, it's like if you, you know, set out your whole life and you believe these things to be what, who, like your concept of spirituality, how you perceive God, all these, like these ingrained deep uh identifying beliefs about yourself and about the world and about like how you exist and existence and in general, it's very hard to start to question those things and really to question them within you and to then have to be honest with yourself and be like, is this really true about what God says? And do I furthermore, do I believe in God? You know, and like getting to those really deeply rooted questions about existence, about life. I mean, you hear what I'm saying. That's not easy stuff. That's not easy. So it really, really started hitting me like a whirlwind last summer. And there was things where I was like, I don't like that. This is what they're saying in church. I feel like that's not God. I feel like this is like just their agenda of what, of, of frankly, agenda of a type of control. Um, and for me, I just felt how weighty a lot of my hell beliefs were like the messages that we were, um, I say we, because it's like a group of people and I'm talking about purity culture, people I'm talking about purity culture. So for those of you who are not Christians, purity culture is something that came about in the late, well, the early nine, yeah, nineties. And it was like out of the evangelical church and it, um, in short, it was like that whole thing about like, you know, I don't know if you guys remember like the Jonas Brothers wearing purity rings and like vows to not have sex before you're married and all that stuff. So like all these messages, conditionings, all that stuff. And so that was really like conflicting for me. That was really uh, challenging me um, because, you know, this is what's being perpetuated in the churches that I, were, I was going to. So to have an opposite perspective or opposite view um, of that that topic, but uh, other topics was seen as, you know, um, something that people will say in Christianity known as backsliding, which is like basically you're, they call it like a backslider or whatever. Like you're, you're becoming more like the world. You're becoming more like, like somehow that's supposed to be an insult. Like you're not a good uh, believer anymore. So now you're just backsliding into like, where are they back? I don't even know. Like when I hear that word, I'm like, what do you mean by backsliding? Like backsliding into what, like a deep dark pit, <laughs> like, hello, um, so I, you know, I, I started contemplating all these things as, um, my more mature self. And I started being like, well, I wonder what other, uh, perspectives are out there in the world. I wonder what other, like, if I branch outside of my, like, sort of known comfort zone of like Christianity and like look at other, even other religions and look at like other points of view within Christianity on different topics. And I mean, I could literally list all these topics, but I mean, every single current topic that is discussed in our world and how, like, a lot of times, like, people hate, I'll be honest, like, they hate Christians because we're seen as homophobic and, um, 
and then or racist or like whatever all the isms all the shitty things that happen in this world like that is how uh sometimes that we are viewed not always but that is definitely a very real thing and that started to just be like wow for me like okay what's going on here and i don't believe that that's loving and i don't believe that you know to to take on those things anyways i'm not gonna get too much on that tangent because i can feel myself going there and i'm not gonna do it um but my point of the story is to say that i am in a place now where i'm still doing a lot of those questions and i it makes me super uncomfortable but the good thing is i'm having conversations occasionally about it about even with my christian friends friends especially with them and i'm very thankful for them thank god for them and um, I'm also listening to podcasts about it and listening to people who are no longer believers and or they lean towards Buddhism now. And I'm reading different texts. And I'm reading um, like, you know, I'm just trying to let myself kind of explore the different, um, I guess, theologies out there because I never I never did it because I was always like, you know, you're kind of told or at least I was in my experience, I was told. You know, don't read these books because they're going to make you, you know, be a backslider or whatever. <laughs> they're going to, like, make you not believe in God anymore. Um, but then I started thinking, like, well, was this always true for me? I said no. Because I remember as a kid being that innocent, that innocence of the belief of nobody told me, like, what, like, how. But, like, I just knew. I felt God with me. And I think about, like, what do I currently see God in? And do and some days, like, I'll be honest, you all, like, some days I feel like I don't believe in God because it's like I look at, like, these horrific things in the world. So I'm, I'm like, being pretty frank here, like, I'm deconstructing a lot of my hell beliefs and I'm trying to get to a place of authenticity and honesty. And I think I am. I think it's definitely the correct journey for me. Um, but at first it was really shocking and it shook me to the core and my foundation was like not underneath my feet. It felt like, so that is my most honest truth to this day. Um, I really wanted, I was really holding back on sharing that topic because it's terrifying and you know, I wasn't, I'm not really sure how people are going to react hearing it, but I'm, I'm going to nonetheless be very honest. So thank you for listening to my long winded, um, (laughs) talk there and now i'm going to move into talking about um attached okay everybody i'm gonna talk about the book attached and i'm going to talk about something that i had to do it's not that fun but it was really helpful i guess it could be fun if you enjoy that stuff it's called a relationship inventory So I'm going to go ahead and read from Attached right now. Maybe you can uh, make your own little um, chart of your past relationships as I go ahead and explain. I'm going to walk you through what they uh, tell you to do. So maybe you can do it without having to buy the book. Here we go. So in Attachment Research, working model is a a phrase that describes our basic belief system when it comes to romantic relationships. What gets you going, what shuts you down, your attitudes and expectations. In short, what makes you tick in relationships. It is helpful to understand the ins and outs of your working model as a first step towards identifying patterns of thoughts, feelings, 
and actions that stand in the way of you becoming more secure. All right. Creating your relationship inventory. The first order of business, therefore, is to become aware of the working model that governs your relationship behavior. That probably just sounded like a fart. It wasn't a fart. It was my foot moving. But if you want to pretend it was a fart, then it was. Okay, anyways, back to what I was reading. Although you might have a good idea about your attachment style from what you've read so far, the relationship inventory will help you see more clearly how your attachment style affects your day-to-day thoughts, feelings, and behaviors in romantic situations. Honestly, I would also say non-romantic situations, just so you all know, because it's just useful. Here we go. The inventory will walk you through the past and present relationships from an attachment perspective. Research into the molecular mechanism of memory and learning reveals that whenever we recall a scene or retrieve a certain memory to our conscious mind, we disrupt it. By doing so, we alter it forever. Meaning, our memories are not like old books in the library, lying there dusty and unchanged. They are rather like living and breathing entities. What we remember today of our past is the fact is in fact a product of editing and reshaping that occurs over the years whenever we recall that particular memory. In other words, our current experiences shape our view of our past ones. By creating your own attachment inventory, you re-examine your recollections of past relationship experiences from a fresh new perspective. Viewing them through an attachment lens will allow you to change some unhelpful beliefs that rely on those particular memories and by doing so, reshape your working model into a more secure one. All right, the actual work. So it says it's going to list the page numbers, but just disregard this. On pages 168 through 169 is the attachment relationship inventory. Taking the inventory is a task that should be done alone. Make sure to set aside enough quiet time to work on it thoroughly so you really get a complete and accurate picture of yourself from an attachment perspective. So first step is to start by listing in the left-hand column the names of all of your romantic partners, past and present. These can include people you've dated briefly, We suggest working vertically, meaning one column at a time. Um, Completing the inventory vertically encourages you to focus less on each particular scenario and to achieve an integrated picture of your working model across relationships. The more information you gather, the better. So in the second column, write what you remember about the relationship. Was it like... What, what, excuse me, remember, so basically write what you remember about the relationship. What was it like? And what things stand out most when you try to recall your time together? Once you write down your general recollections of the relationship, column three allows you, so this is the next column, allows you to take a closer look and identify specific scenarios that contribute to activation slash deactivation of your attachment system so when they're talking this is me talking now 
when they're talking about activation slash deactivation, the activation would refer to an anxious attachment style and the deactivation would, would refer to an avoidant attachment style. Go ahead and look those up online if you're confused. Okay, so the next column, number four. It asks you to respond to these situations like what did you do? What were you thinking? How did you feel? The list below the inventory are provided. This is not important about they just give you some examples of what you could be feeling and stuff. So I'm going to go with the next column. The next column is number five is a crucial next step. You will need to reassess these experiences from an attachment perspective to gain insight into the issues that affected your relationship. Basically saying like, okay, say, say I have an anxious attachment style. Now I'm going to investigate my own attachment style and say like, this is why I did this. And then this is how this person reacted uh, based off of my activated attachment system. So it, then, it, then it asks you in, in column five, what attachment issues underline your reactions? Protest behavior, deactivation. Um, and then in the last column, or not the last, almost the last one, column number six, you're asked to consider ways in which your reaction now translated into an attachment principle, whatever attachment pr style you have, hurts you and gets in the way of your happiness. So this is a really interesting step. It's like, how did you basically make yourself worse off by the way things went down based off of your un unconscious attachment system? And then finally, the last step is column seven prompts you to consider a new way, secure ways of handling these situations using a security enhancing role model in your life and the secure principles we outlined in this book. So somebody that you view personally that has a secure, healthy relationship um it could for sometimes like it could even be like an example they give is like this lady's therapist was that for her um and or say you think about like a couple that you know communicate really well like that you see and you're like oh how do they go about dealing with issues in their relationship if you happen to know that those people um for me it felt like i didn't know anybody but <laughs> i do know a few people so, um, and I did that. I was just going to say, everybody, I did the relationship inventory this morning and it was really a lot. So definitely make sure you have enough time. Um, it made me really gain a new perspective and I feel like I gained, like doing this was really good. Um, so definitely if you're really, really curious about attachment styles, I would highly recommend you to dive into understanding how you how you really react to a relationship and what are your triggers and just like really understanding your attachment style like it helps a lot um and it made me be like oh i know what i can change that i want to change at least um so that's something that i was doing this morning and i think i'll go ahead and like post some stuff on instagram so you can kind of look at some examples of how this um this kind of like uh, columns, this uh, inventory can look like based off of what the uh, book gives examples of. So um, that's kind of like the main thing I want to share with this last episode with um, Unattached. And I'm not quite done with the book. I've got a lot more to go. But uh, let me see if they leave you with some questions because I was reading a while back and I saw some questions that might be really helpful. Let me see. Maybe not. I don't know. Oh, no. Wait, I'm I'm like so organized right now. It's not even funny. That's sarcasm. Um 
Well, I guess I asked, I haven't answered these questions, but I'll just pitch them to you all. Why not? So it, then it asks you to basically summarize the inventory. Um, so one of the first questions they ask you is like, can you identify particular situations that are prone to activate if you're anxious or deactivate if you're avoidant your attachment system across relationships? And then it asks you to answer that. Next question is, can you detect ways in which you in which an inefficient working model has prevented you from achieving more security? Next question, what are the main attachment principles at play in your relationships? Yeah. Um, and then uh, something that is cool is like they ask you to look at your like a secure role model. And then they say like these questions like, what would they do different if they were in a situation? What point of view would they bring to the table? What would they tell you if they knew what you were dealing with this issue? Um, excuse me, that's correct, incorrect. What would they tell you if they knew you were dealing with this issue? How is your experience with them relevant to the situation? So basically, you're supposed to answer all these questions with that. That's a secure model. The last couple of questions I just asked you all is a secure model question to help you reframe in your own mind um, how to handle different relationship situations. Um, so it's really awesome. And uh, like I said, I, I've got more reading to do. Not done. Definitely not. Um, the work never stops, I guess. Um, <laughs> but anyways, I have talked quite enough on this on these uh, topics. And um, let me just say, I'm really stoked. Thank you, everybody from the bottom of my heart. I truly mean it. I hope you're having a wonderful time. I truly hope that this podcast has helped you um, in any way. And I look forward to hearing any of the stories you want to share. And um, what else can I say? I'm just extremely happy. And hopefully I'll be back with uh, more to give. Thank you, everybody. I love you. You have you take care of yourselves. You do you, boo-boos. Love you. Bye.